Welcome to Business and Money Mentors. Together, Mia, your business mentor, and Bonnie, Miss Money Boss, guide you on the need to knows to grow and manage your business successfully. Hello, and welcome to this lovely Wednesday morning. We're happy to have you here. We have an amazing guest, but first, like always, let's check in with Bonnie. How are you, Bonnie? Oh my God, Mia, I have allergies today and my eyes and nose are crying all over the place, but I had to do this interview because this is important stuff we're going to be talking about today anyway. And we're glad that you were able to make it. And so let's bring on our amazing profit geek expert here, Liz <laughs> Jarvis. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Good morning, America. <laughs> Good morning from Australia and, and New Wales or? Um, in Australia, in the state of New South Wales, in the town of Wingham, a regional country town, of which wow. I'm actually the cham uh, Chamber of Commerce president here as well. I get pretty excited about our town and looking after it all. That's very exciting. Well, it's lovely to have you here. So I wanted to get started with the guests learning a little bit more about you. Can you uh, share with us your background in finance and working with entrepreneurs and also, you know, a little bit about your, all the goodies that have brought you to this place as this profit geek expert? <laughs> well, I think... For all of us, we're on quite a journey. Um, so my journey in the accounting and finance world started in 1984. So it's been quite a long journey. Um, and I am a qualified chartered accountant. Uh, it's like a CPA that you guys have over there. Uh, I did start my training in auditing as you do in cadetships with the large companies. But uh, I moved to country, um, New South Wales, um, because when we were wanting to buy our house, interest rates in Australia were 20%. Whoa. Really? really? That's really, really. staggering. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So to buy a house for us, yeah, interest rate of nearly 20% meant that, yeah, my simple son said we can't really afford what we'd like to have, you know, for our children or whatever. So we moved to the country and it was the best decision we ever made. We were able to afford nice housing and um, establish our careers in a regional area. So that brought me up here and then unfortunately one of my, my first child became quite unwell and that led me to move away from normal tax accounting and looking after clients and doing their tax returns and actually work inside of a business, inside of an Apple um, a group of Apple retailers and so I was the accountant for five Apple stores and it really showed me the insides of a business which very few tax accountants actually get to see they don't quite realize what it's like and it was 
in that space that I learned that, you know, my client didn't understand his business structures, you know, trusts and super funds and companies and um, all that sort of thing. And so that led me to think about life differently um, as an accountant. And I also sold and supported a mid-range um, package called Attaché. And so I had about 50 clients that I was looking after day to day. So sometimes you would have someone, and back then it wasn't so easy, information wasn't in the cloud, things would go wrong and people would ring me with, you know, their payroll for 100 people and they had a problem and they couldn't pay them. And so you'd, I learned well to calm people down and work back through things. So more recently, I, um, I returned to public practice for about 11 years and then I just realised that the big guys were being looked after. We were doing tax planning for the wealthy, um, you know, really smoothing things for those who'd already made it. And I was very concerned about the service levels that were being provided to the people who were struggling and those service levels weren't great. And in Australia the concentration on tax has been, you know, the accountants have moved much more towards doing what the tax office needs. We call that compliance um, and less about the actual businesses. So um, in 2010, I went out on my own to provide a different service. So not, not doing tax returns, um, just helping people in their businesses. And like most business owners, I've had to have my own journey about how do you sell that you know, getting, getting your product to market fit was has been very challenging because um, no one wants to talk about accounting, let's face it. Um, and yet my experience with studying with a, a lot of entrepreneurs in Sydney, um, I saw that they were really avoiding their numbers and they were getting into real, real problems because they just left it up to someone else, often um, a family member or a friend of a friend. Um, which leaves you very vulnerable and everybody felt so stupid about not knowing their numbers um, and not wanting to deal with them. So, so, so you're telling me that these entrepreneurs were not hiring like a professional bookkeeper or a business manager to do this work. They were basically having people who didn't know what they were doing doing this work. Yeah, quite often they, because I don't know if it's the same in America, but in Australia where we have, two products, Mind Your Own Business, and we have um, Zero, but both of them advertise as if it's a snack. You know, it's really easy. You can do it yourself. And that do-it-yourself mentality has meant that everybody thinks they're a bookkeeper. Everybody yeah. thinks they can do it, but people don't realise that, you know, the bookkeeping is the data entry. And then after that, there's the hard stuff, the reconciling, the interpreting, the um, checking, um, the putting aside of money for tax, all those sorts of things. So many bookkeepers are, are not giving sufficient service, but they don't know that they're not. And in accountants are at the sort of tax level are, are thinking that they're, that they're getting reasonable stuff. And as soon as an accountant preparing a tax return starts to see that the information isn't very accurate, they get a bit panicky and all of the money that you're going to spend with your accountant goes down the toilet while they search through the garbage trying to work out, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And there's no money left for the support that you need to make, you know, the good decisions in your business. You just get a tax return done um, 
and you think everything's okay, but quite often it's not. Quite often you're not really making much money. The worst um, experience of that I had was I went to help a client and I looked at her tax return and she was making significant losses. And I said to her, well, your cash flow must be terrible. And she's like, how can you tell that from my tax return? (laughs) Because didn't your accountant tell you that you're losing money? She said, no, (laughs) no, I signed my tax return. I got a refund. Well, great. But, you know, you're losing money. And, yeah, we turned her business around completely. But that was, for me, that's when that penny dropped. That accountants aren't even telling people, you know, accountants are shy and embarrassed as well. They don't want to tell their client that they're losing money if they... Really? (laughs) Not me. Yeah, well, not... Many good accountants wouldn't let that happen, but unfortunately there's many that do. They just do the return, you know, get it done. Because they're sorting that rubbish, they just, like, can't wait to get the job finished and out the door. And if the client's not making money, they don't have to do, they don't have to be too worried for tax because the tax man's not going to have a problem if the accounts are wrong. As long as, they, as long as they're good enough, that's all they want. So, yeah, it's pretty frightening how little attention people are paying to their numbers and in my journey I guess part of it was about you know a functional literacy um you can't sell that idea but um just knowing enough to get by is is a really important part not completely abdicating those numbers and actually engaging with them so I teach my clients that your numbers are the story of your business Um, And by teaching it that way, it starts to make a lot more sense so that, again, accountants have had a lot to do with how how your profit and loss looks, for example, and people don't realise that they can use their own words in that profit and loss to tell the story in a way that is meaningful to them as a business owner, in a way that they can make good decisions by categorising their expenses in ways that are, you know, giving them clues about what's working and what's not working. And then instead of calling budgets budgets for the next year, it's about, you know, projecting the story of your business into the into the future and how um, when you start to look at it like that, it's not um, a dirty word like budgets or, you know, <laughs> it's not right. about not spending. It's about making sure you spend in the right spaces. Right. Well, can you share with us what the three top challenges that you see entrepreneurs have? In relationship to dealing with the finances and their money, like what are, what are their blockage? What's the block? I think first they have to overcome the fear and resistance that, um, you know, we talk about vulnerability. Brene Brown, for example, talks about vulnerability. They have to be willing to be vulnerable and get help as early as they can just finding someone um, that you can comfortably talk to about how it really is and where you're really up to I think that's the first big challenge is finding the courage to um, talk to someone and get yourself on the right track now that could be a bookkeeper or an accountant or a mentor like Bonnie or myself but just get started by starting those conversations even if you have to change your professionals until you find one that's good just get started um the second thing is 
not recognising the difference between turnover and profit or, you know, and not recognising all the cost of sales. So you can be turning over or making sales of millions of dollars really and still be losing money. And um, every sale, you shouldn't be making sales regardless of the outcome. You need to only sell things where you make a profit on that um, don't spend lots and lots and lots of money on marketing. You need to think about how much each sale costs you to get. And if you are selling services, you sort of think, well, there's no cost of sale, but there is a huge cost if you're using lots of Facebook advertising or something like that. You've got to see what each sale costs you. Absolutely. Um, the third biggest challenge is probably staying on top of your um, record-keeping um, we all, myself included, make the mistake of I've got to make that sale or do that work for my client. Um, you know, one of my uh, friends in my mastermind group one day said to me, you know, Liz, if you spend as much time and energy on your own business as you do on all your clients' businesses, then you wouldn't be quite so far behind. So I took her advice um, on board probably 12 months ago and you know stopped avoiding my own uh, record keeping and started to take responsibility as well but staying on top is hard you're juggling a lot of things but I think it's like um, you know self-care looking after yourself you need to start out by just keeping on top of things um, I think in the olden days if you like people kept their books by hand and at the end yes. of every at the end of every day, they wrote out their numbers and that was part of their daily routine. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, when books were kept by hand, you could actually flick back through them and see how you went this time last year and so on. Um, now that we've got our numbers in the cloud, it's a little bit harder to stay on top but or to, to see um, one year to the next or see one week to the next. But I think it should still be the same and a daily or weekly attack at your information or, or the information you're giving to someone else to do for you will help you keep on top and give you the information at your fingertips that will tell you in the story of your business whether you're succeeding or not. And the, here's the thing, like even if you're delegating that work out, first of all, the number one thing is you need to delegate it to a professional. Somebody who knows what they're doing, not a friend, not a family member who decides that they want to take on and get some extra money. Like this is a serious part of your business. This is almost the most important, in my eyes, it's the most important part of your business. Because if you're already making sales, then the only thing that's hurting you is your back end. And the back end is the money part. It's the numbers part. And here's the thing. I have... So I've had an accounting business for 26 years. I've restructured companies that were about to go bankrupt on six or seven different occasions. And, you know, I've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs over time on really learning how to keep more of the money that they make, make better business decisions so that they benefit more from what they're spending their money on and, be, and be, pay less in taxes, a combination of all those things. But if you have somebody who's just a data entry person, who's just logging the stuff, 
and you don't even know if the stuff that they're logging is accurate, then whatever report comes out at the end, here's one of my biggest things. Entrepreneurs don't even want to look at the reports. They don't even want to go over the profit and loss statement with me and the balance sheet once a month. It's like literally I can get them to do it quarterly, but trying to get them to do it monthly is like almost impossible. And you know what? I have a really good story to share because there was a time when I started. So in 2005, I started a business on my own. It was a product business. I had never done anything like this before. I was creating a sexual enhancement chocolate for women. And so I spent a lot of money on research and development. And then, and then I had to have a formulation made. And basically what ended up happening is I didn't want to, I knew that I had $250,000 to start. So I thought, oh, that's a big amount of money, right? Like, I don't need to worry about the numbers because I have so much money. It's just going to be, you know, we're just going to be doing the things. And then by the time I want to market the product, I'm sure I'll have plenty left. Well, guess what? That's exactly <laughs> the opposite of what happened. So literally I spent $250,000 and I had a formulation and, um, and then somebody pounced on that product and basically shut it down on the web before it even got started. And so I ended up losing all that money because I was not willing to look at the numbers along the way. Probably what cost me $250,000 now that I look back probably should have cost me 75 or $80,000. So even if I had lost that money, it's a lot less than 250. But if I hadn't lost all the money, I would have had money to market, to, to overcome what happened on the web so that there would, so I would have been able to continue through and move on with my product. But because I just blew through all my money, I had nothing left when it came to marketing. I think that it's quite a common issue um especially um ex-corporates so we have i'm sure you have the same there people that are making really good money in corporate and just yep. get fed with you know the grind and they'll have a good nest egg yeah probably a couple hundred thousand or you know even if it's fifty thousand um it seems like a lot of money and but it is very easy to blow a lot of money um especially with lots of little things too so now we've got so many software as a service providers or you know whether you're doing click funnels or you're doing um any number of things that you start to get involved in and you sign up to because it's only a little bit every month or whatever all of those things add up um and if you're not looking at how much your money is disappearing uh, like like with your experience, Bonnie, um, we know better. We know better as people involved in numbers and we still, you know, don't really want to face facts when it's difficult. But it's exactly. so important for our clients to face facts. The sooner you face facts when it's difficult, the sooner you can make some better decisions and recover from that. But it is, exactly. it's so natural to want to avoid, I mean, everybody now talks about you know fear and avoidance and the lizard brain and all of that kind of stuff it is natural but that's where you need the courage and determination to look at it regularly regardless of how you're feeling about it um yeah sometimes you've got a you know a passion project or a soul-driven 
product like I think ourselves do. Um, you know, we don't do this just to make money. We're doing this, this type of business because we're passionate about something. But we still need to look at the numbers so that our passion doesn't, you know, doesn't go astray, doesn't go off the rails before we've delivered what it is that our passion is trying to bring us to do. Um, so with our ex-corporates, that they often go into coaching or something like that um, or design a product. But if you haven't got money set aside for the next steps, each, each you know, if you haven't thought right through to the end, um, you can get caught out and basically waste that money when you could have put it to much better use. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it's also important to realise that a business plan um, will never be perfect and a budget will never be perfect. They are tools to allow you to think through the steps that your business is going to take. Um, So a budget for the next year is based on what you know today, based on a bunch of assumptions, if you like, which can often be wrong. Um, so beware the perfectionist who wants to get, you know, the perfect business plan, the perfect budget. They're never going to be perfect. They're a guideline as to what you think and they're a tool to extend your mind to all of the things that need to be paid for by the business and when they need to be paid for so that you don't, um, you know, get caught with a big tax bill or even for a you know, a long-term successful business, they need to be thinking about putting money aside for long-term employees' entitlements and things like that. It's, they're a tool for planning uh, and making sure you haven't missed anything, I think. Mm-hmm. So, again, if we, if we talk about those business plans and um, profit and loss statements and budgets being the story of your business as it's heading along its path, um, and preparing you for any, you know, anything that's missing, like, you know, um, potential earthquakes in the tracks that they're going to put you off. Uh, the more often you're facing those, particularly with a professional, um, like it's funny that you say you try to do that every month, Bonnie, with your clients and you still can't get them to do it. Um, too few bookkeepers are able to actually understand it that well. Um, but it's almost like we need to write it into the contract with our clients. You will uh, look at these numbers with me every month so that you know where you're at. Uh, and the more the business is changing, the more important that monthly review is. So, Liz, for talking about a budget for people in business, and let's, let's go with online as opposed to a brick and mortar because, you, you know, just for overall um, – Last week on our show, we spoke about this system called Builderall, which is a self-encompassing platform that you pay for like $49 for, but you save so much money, like the autoresponders in there, so that's included in the money. Uh, funnels are in there, webinar stuff. Um, website. Website, script stuff. Um, sales pages. Sales pages, opt-ins, all this. So the approximate amount that Bonnie saved was $650. Now I am not a bookkeeper, so, or a full charge bookkeeper, but 
I haven't gone over my savings yet, but I'm going to. So what are some areas in which, um, you know, for, for budgeting and for supporting your online entrepreneurs, what would you recommend just like this, you know, where would you recommend them putting their money as opposed to moving it from other places? Like the spending you're talking about. Yes. The spending. Yes. Yeah. So that's a pretty tough question, actually. Knowing where to spend it is quite challenging. And even um, knowing how to market. So no matter what tool you have, whether you're spending $600 a month or $49 a month, um, that tool won't necessarily give you a perfect outcome because you've still got to um, do the, the soul searching, do the... Do the work, the due diligence. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Those, are just, those are just the software pieces to help you out. Like, basically what we did is we, I, I had switched to this one platform. And so we were looking at what the cost, like I paid two ninety seven a month for ClickFunnels. And then yeah. I paid, you know, 80 bucks a month for my autoresponder for ConvertKit. And then, you know, X amount of dollars on lead pages. And all of these different services that ended up being the same price and the same quality in this one product that just came out. So that's kind of like why we were talking about it because we were like, I was blown away by the amount of money that I saved. I mean, $600 a month I'm saving. That's crazy. You know, and that's just on, that's literally just on little software pieces that I need to run my business every day. That doesn't account for virtual assistance. It doesn't account for what we pay for the radio show or anything else to run my business. But in that one little area, just the software online that I need to use, I was literally able to go from paying $650 a month to $50 a month. So it was just drastic. I mean, that's it was a big, that's a big savings. <laughs> you, know? you know, it was a big savings because if you just take like I think it was six hundred or six fifty, but if you take that number and you and you multiply it by twelve, it comes out to several thousand dollars. Yes, and that's a nice little savings yeah. that I didn't even know I was wasting money on. Yeah, and because hmm. everything's moving so rapidly, um, something like ClickFunnels when it comes it can came out it was you know a game changer it, it through click funnels you save a, a hell of a lot of money um but every month almost something you know an, another entrepreneurial organization is is building tools that can combine all of those other products so um from there's two sides to that story as well if you're an entrepreneur that's building something like click funnels be aware that someone else is building the next next thing um, and if you're an entrepreneur using various tools, um, it's important to stay in touch with new opportunities. Um, admittedly, you've got to always learn each tool. Um, you've got to, and I think that's important as well. You need to factor in the time that yeah. you use. And that's one of the big things that people forget, especially ex-corporates. Um, anyone who's ever... Were, had to charge by the hour for their time, they're pretty aware of it. But if they haven't had to charge by the hour, um, you can really undervalue your own time and not realise how much of it goes into a product. So if you're making something um, and you don't allow for 
the time, the, the cost you would pay someone else to make it, then you're setting yourself up for failure because once you succeed in selling that product that you hadn't factored your time into and you want to sell more of it, then you're going to start going backwards once you've got someone else being paid for that. Um, so in answer to your question, Mayor, in terms of what, where is the right place to spend money and, and where else can you save money, um, I think just get it, making sure that you get value for money out of everything, every expense that you have, and that's why looking at your P&L monthly and setting the names of the, the accounts, so that's your chart of accounts, setting the names of those accounts up to be meaningful. And it doesn't matter if you've got a lot of names. Um, accountants will tell you you don't need to, say, for example, have subscriptions. Um, you mean subcategories? Yeah, it's helpful for you to <laughs> actually have them laid out, all the different subcategories of that, so that you can eyeball it and go, oh, hang on, am I still using this? Is there something better? Is there something cheaper? Can I, you know, negotiate it a different way? Um, and just spending time with those financial statements each month will prompt you on what you're spending mm -hmm. and whether or not it's worthwhile. I have a question for the for the audience. For those of us who are not like you guys, I mean, I love numbers and I love money, you know, just like just like everybody else. But what would you recommend for the layman here? Um, to would what would you recommend for me to like or somebody else? Um, because Bonnie's already gotten me whipped in certain places, you know, for <laughs> keeping track of my stuff. But for the person coming in who doesn't have a bookkeeper yet, or who doesn't have an accountant who's just starting, or who's been in business just a very short time, a couple years, so they're not as probably successful as they're going to be, what kind of a list would you suggest that they? Um, keep track of you know like we talked about their um their services that they need to provide right or, or not that they need to provide but they need to have in order to make their business run like the autoresponder you know they, there's many names so we'll just call it generic the autoresponder um a webinar type phone line you know what whatever that is so are there specific things that you suggest people um, keep track of or just everything for business? I mean, there can be like two different forms of keeping track of your stuff. One's for immediate and one's for down, you know, for the end of the month or what, what do you recommend? First of all, I would recommend that they make sure they have a separate bank account for yes. their business um, because that and, and that they use it properly. Uh, it's very tempting to just use the wrong card or to, you know, try really hard to have everything that is business related go through a business bank account because it is from that that you start to build that list of what you spent your money on. Um, and then you, I really encourage people to break that story down in words that are meaningful to them. So, Autoresponder might mean nothing to someone and everything to someone else. Um, but, um, you know, online tools might be a word that's meaningful to you. Or um, web presence might be a, a word that's meaningful to you. I really, I'm really breaking, breaking the mould here by encouraging people to do that. But I think it's really important that 
you use words that are meaningful to you and you go through the bank statement, if you like, or you scroll through on your, on your screen all the money that you've spent and you decide what those categories are uh, and record it that way. So, Mia, you, you just have to record everything, mm-hmm. um, absolutely everything. Um, and I would also recommend that aside from the bookkeeping, you probably um, keep track of your time through a... Um, time tracker. Yeah, any time tracker. I use um, my hours. It's free for one person. So there's a lot of um, services that are free for just one person. Um, and you can, you know, you can record your business expenses in a paper cash book that you can buy at a stationary supplier. You can record it on a spreadsheet if you like that, or you can record it into one of the many um, products that are out there like um, QuickBooks or which other, whatever ones that you guys have in America. Yeah, I recommend QuickBooks because, yeah. because zero, see, one of the problems with the apps that I found, like I had a client that was working with zero. And zero is basically several apps put together. Okay, so when you want to convert that file into QuickBooks, good luck. We even had a com- we even paid a company to do the conversion, and the conversion was such a mess that literally I threw away all the data and had to start over. So yeah. I recommend QuickBooks because it is a full service accounting program that can give you everything that you need in there. I mean, basically the only thing that I think it's weak in really is its inventory system, but most of the entrepreneurs online are not like focused on a major inventory thing. So it's not such a big deal. Yeah, I agree, Bonnie. I think if you are using inventory, you need to look carefully at what you use and get an appropriate package. The earlier, the better. Um, Because inventory is so important. um, If you have an inventory based business uh, that you don't want to be skimping on how you keep those records because uh, it's yeah you you want to be able to track everything from go to woe and not get your costs of your inventory screwed up by cheap crappy software exactly language <laughs> um, well and then and then my poor client had to literally pay twice for the same work i mean yeah. i gave him a discount because i couldn't do the conversion but even with giving him a discount, he still had to pay for the same thing twice. So I think that it's even important like for you as an entrepreneur to make sure, like ask whoever's gonna be doing the work, what kind of accounting software are you using? Because if you wanna switch people, you wanna make it an easy transition that doesn't cost you a lot of money. And this is not something that anybody I've ever heard talk about. You yeah, know? that's a good point, Bonnie. Um, in Australia, a lot of people use MYOB because it started to be used by a lot of people and because everyone was using it, that's why they use it. But it's, I don't really like it. It's clunky. Um, yeah. Compared to, you know, software packages we used earlier, or, I mean, accounting packages were painful because you had to roll over, you had to get everything tidy before the end of the month. But, you know, it was great discipline. Um, the modern packages, accounting packages, are more database driven, so you can keep periods open, you can do whatever you like, you can change stuff. It's dangerous. It's um, the other thing that I've seen, unfortunately, far too much of is 
um, bookkeepers that actually steal money from their clients because the software is um, so flexible and, um, you know, and, and there's so much trust being put with bookkeepers. Yeah. That's, that's if the, you're talking about bookkeepers that are paying bills for clients, right? Yeah. Because not all bookkeepers do that. Like some bookkeepers, like in my bookkeeping practice, I consider that just like downloading after the fact. If I'm cutting checks for people, now I'm a business manager because basically I'm handling all the monetary. And that's why for business management clients, I literally sit down with them every single month. The business management yeah. clients are open because they're paying me big money to do that. So they're sitting down with me every month. We're going through even, we even break down the income. So like, let's say they're selling four different items. And let's say you're an entrepreneur and you have like a mastermind that you sell and you have group coaching and you have private coaching. Those income categories should be broken out so that you can see how much money you're making from each. If you're not, how do you know what's really bringing in the bucks? Because look, if you're going to advertise where you see yourself making the most money is really where you should be putting your advertising dollars because for some reason you're making more money doing that stuff. And that's right. And the expenses related to each of those should also be, you know, separated so that, yep. so if you've got, um, Mia, I think you said like web telephone, uh, web um, webinar stuff, yeah. Webinar stuff. If you've got those costs, so there, there are some sort of free ones of those. Um, but if you've got those costs associated with, say, running your mastermind, you want to group them together so that you can see that, you know, Mastermind made this much money, but it's costing you this much money to run it. Uh, it can get lost in the soup, if you like, when you mix it all in together. When or you could actually segregate out like a certain amount per each. So like, let's say you pay for a service. So if you pay for that service, let's say I was paying $650 a year, a month, right? I could break it out into like, you know, what, 200 200 250 you know what I mean just something like that so that basically you could see the cost associated with the sale yeah and so when you start thinking again if you um thinking of the story of your business in the chart of accounts that you're writing you're breaking the story up into into chunks and yeah you can certainly split expenses um into parts so that you can report better um it can be done you know, separately later as part of the conversation and you don't have to go back and, you know, correct, if you like, the way you did it in the past. You can always start tomorrow with the new way you want to do things. Um, but there's a lot of flexibility actually in, in any record keeping of, um, of what's gone on in your business. And I encourage clients to have, you know, so once they've got the courage to look at it, then to start building up some curiosity about everything and and really thinking about what are these things, where do they fit in my business. Um, I've got a client with a diesel mechanic business and a, um, a, a freight haulage business and they they have a lot of detail in their chart because it helps them manage their business and they also keep separate bank accounts because that's what they need to in, to have their head around how it's going. So 
Although from an accountant's point of view, we kind of trained that you can just have one bank account and the accounts look after everything else. For some people to get, just to get the gut feel of what's going on, they might want to have a separate bank account for their mastermind business to their coaching business. Mm -hmm. Just so that, you know, so that they can feel the difference in the, in the balances that are going on. There's no one right way to record your, your information into your accounts. Um, even though um, the accountants tend to have a standard chart of accounts, when you when you get a program like um, QuickBooks, there'll be a standard chart that you can use. Mm -hmm. um, those charts have come about just really through keeping the tax man happy and categorising the things that we need for tax. Um, and it's beneficial to think harder about where where it goes uh, and what you want to call it so even i think in the states over there you know someone in the in california might describe something differently to someone in texas and that's okay you put it down the way you like it the way it's meaningful to you right i do want to say something about the business end here since it was kind of brought up um if my, my recommendation is this if you want to be big, if you want to go big, and if you are heading in that way, don't use the free stuff because it's obvious and it says it's free and it's not attractive to your paying clients to be put on a free instant teleseminar line when this should be our natural way is to have these little products and stuff. So I just want to state that because people who have free websites, their websites are being hacked and messed up and they don't even look as good as the professional websites. So do, you know, as you create your business, as you work it, as you grow, as you bring in more money, consider using the more quality stuff so that it also represents who you are in your business and the love you have for your clients. I know some people are like, why do you use the word love? Well, okay, the word caring. You know, the we want to give them the best quality that we can. So, and if and it also makes us feel very quality quality. You know, coaches when we do use things that move faster and and all that. So that was just something to think about. But I do want to ask you another question, Liz. <laughs> I'm just throwing all these questions at you. Can you give us five tips to help entrepreneurs? Be more profitable. Yeah. Well, first, profitable. So you need to understand the story of your business. Uh, that is, check into all the costs. So you're going to be more profitable if you spend less money or spend money carefully. Um, I think, have you come across the profits first? Yes. I was going to ask you if you were a profit first coach, but, I, but when, when you were talking, I wasn't thinking that you were. So that's so funny. Um, I'm not. Um, I've considered it, but I really like the concept. Um, you know, I've got the book there on my bookshelf. I've had a, a good look at it. It's a good concept because it makes you think about what your profit is or what your payment from the business is and set that aside because otherwise you'll tend to just spend and spend and spend until the money runs out. Um, so, yes, yeah, setting aside profit for yourself um, before you spend on things that aren't essential is, is one way to look at it. Um, I'm not great on those 
five exact things because I'm so focused on my individual clients and where they're at. Um, but just, yeah, keep an eye on the small things and and yet don't, you know, don't skimp. Like you said, Mia, you know, use professional tools when you're at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, and use professionals rather than free or, you know, rather than friends in particular. I think you can save so much money by using professionals mm-hmm. for your bookkeeping and for your accounting because they will get you on track quickly. Mm-hmm. So, and then if you don't fall behind, you're not um, you're not losing sight of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's a, I just want to jump in. That's a really good point about bringing your business, your friends, your family, your clients. Be aware of where you're moving into because exactly what you said, Liz. I know that everybody has uh, understands that after it's happened to them, but. Right. We should keep friends and family out of business because literally it's faster and and more cost effective to get what your genius is and hire the rest out, literally. So, yeah. And when you hire it out, though, be be also be careful. So, you know, delegation uh, is great. Doing what you're good at is great. But don't abdicate. Don't um, particularly on numbers and finances. Don't say, I'm just going to give it to Bonnie and she can look after it. You really need to take, um, take responsibility for the need to understand it and to understand what that person is doing for you. Because when you, delegate, you, you just abdicate it and don't care, you lose connection with it and that is mm-hmm. it's your money, your life, your business. You exactly. Have, you have to keep an eye on it. You have to take responsibility for it. Um, I've seen too many business owners that just go, oh, my business failed and was because my bookkeeper didn't do it right. Or, well, know, I've, heard, I've heard stories from Bonnie about that, literally. She just went through a forensic accounting thing because the same thing happened, you know. So yeah. you're, you're absolutely yeah. right, yeah. That's a great it, tip. Is take responsibility. It's, it's your business. It's not easy. Well, it's, it is easier to understand the numbers than people think. Like when I ran my um, crowdfunding, I called it suck the scare out of accounting. <laughs> That's you right. <laughs> you shouldn't be scared of accounting. It, it's not scary. Um, even if you're not good at maths at school, you can still do numbers. Um, you can still see them and inquire about them and ask about them. It is, it's your money and your business and you can't just give that side of it away to someone else and, and just expect that everything's okay. And too many times people will say, well, I gave everything to my accountant and they didn't say anything was wrong, so I must be doing okay, right? Exactly. You might, you know, you might be doing okay, you might be making lots of money or you might be losing money and just nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So... The sooner you do look at those numbers with whoever's helping you with them, um, the better. And some of the littler businesses I've worked with, um, when I first get them, they're often processing all the information, but they're not reconciling bank accounts or anything like that. So they don't know if there's a mistake or not. They're just processing what they think belongs to the business. By getting a separate bank account, you can avoid that. 
I can see. Well, you know, here's the other thing that I find is that, you know, even if you have, so it's, it's about not ignoring that part of your business. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So you really kind of have to learn to love the numbers. That's your livelihood. That's what you're going to end up either making or losing at the end of the day. You're going to either end up losing money or making money because you choose to look at your numbers. So money doesn't have to be scary. I think that people that are not used to dealing with money, it's a scary thing. And I'm not talking about paying for things on a credit card. I'm talking about not used to like looking at numbers, like how much am I spending on this? People like to be ignorant. That's the truth. And I say that because ignorance is bliss. <laughs> ignorance yeah. is bliss. And it's like, and that's why a lot of times what ends up happening is people start a business. They either go through their savings or they build up all this credit card debt or they got a loan. So now they have that debt. And if they can't learn to turn a profit, they're not going to be able to pay any of those things back. And every single day, that money is costing them money. Absolutely. So, so not only is it costing your business money, it's costing you money because you are responsible for your business. And when you start to look at things that way, that it's really like, I know that your business is a separate entity from you, but if you don't make this business profitable, if you don't make it make enough money for you to survive, you're not going to have it anymore. It's going to go away. It's going to, you're going to either bankrupt it or it's just going to go out of business and you're going to be devastated. It is devastating to invest a lot of money in something that you were so passionate about and then lose it all. That's so true, Bonnie. Um, yeah, it's so very true. You, you can approach things backwards, which I, I often recommend when I sit down with clients, well, how much money do you need to live? And then work back from there. And I, Mia, you said um, that some people say well, it shouldn't be about love. I have a saying, um, love comfortably, live simply, because I think we can spend so much money on being comfortable, whether it's in our, you know, at home or in our business. But if you, if you work backwards and say, well, what do you, what do I really need to live? And then work that back and through and see, can my business actually provide that? Mm -hmm. um, and keep working your business up to the point where it can or not even start the business. This is where, I guess, business planning comes in. Mm -hmm. you know, don't even start the business if it can't give you enough money to support yourself and your kids or whoever it is that you have to support. Um, just that that level of responsibility alone, you know, can can this actually pay me? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think you've got the level of social security over there that we do, but um, we don't. Basically, you cannot in our lifetimes. Like in me and I are in our fifties, and the odds are we will have very little, if any, social security. So we can't look at that as something to depend on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I look at it is I can't look at social security as something to depend on. So the only thing that I can depend on is what I can actually bring to the table. That's right. And, and some business people would be better off in a job than they would be in their business, especially when you start looking at the amount of time that is spent in the business. So 
if your business doesn't return you the same money that you would get for the hours that you put in, uh, at in least, office, at least, please, then then don't do it. Um, and uh, there's so many myths around business, like that the myth that you know you're not going to make money to start with. You have to make money to start with. Um, you have to be begin with a plan that that is going to make mo enough money to put on the table or don't even start. Uh, you know, marketing can bring a lot of, you know, a lot of people to buy your product, but only if your product to market fits right. Only if lots, lots and lots of things have to line up um, before you're going to make a reasonable living from your business. Um, and it's because there's so few barriers to entry to business now, it's too easy to borrow money. It's too easy to put it on your credit card. Uh, it's too easy to just jump in and, and have a go. And I don't, I don't want to stop people from having a go, but really think about what is, you know, what if it doesn't work? When, how long? And don't just look around and think, oh, I can't expect this business to make money for a year or two. You need to make it make money straight away. Uh, and if it can't, you've got to have really good business plans done that will tell you when it is going to make money so that right. you know it's worth it's worth the time without money um, or the time that you're living off your savings. Um, I just got a call. I just got a call this morning from a client that I'm doing a, a financial plan for right now. Who's a brand new business. And at first we worked on one business plan. Then he decided to change it. So we went over that last week and this morning I got a call because he knows that he needs to get a million three to start this business. He's like, you know what? I'm sweating it out. I'm freaking out. Can we talk? And I was like, sure. And basically in that conversation, we stopped everything and basically said to him, you're going to focus on this and then you're going to do X, Y, Z to start making money today. And while this first thing is in process, you will be making money with the other thing within two to three months. And literally, and he's a salesperson and the sigh of relief, just like <laughs> knowing that he wouldn't like, he would only need maybe a hundred or 200,000 instead of a million three. And he could be making money in three months. So he saw a way for him to be paying back that money quickly. Yeah. Whereas the other plan was like, basically nothing was going to start for 14 months and he was yeah. just sweating it out. And he's like, I just realized I don't want to take all this responsibility. Yep. All this risk. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so great to have someone in your corner, someone like yourself, Bonnie, or my, myself, or other people that are mentoring people around the numbers because it's the conversations that you have and it's the penny drop moments that happen because you're working through those numbers, because you're working through the story of what the business is going to do, how it's going to look and what's going to happen. Um, that allows you to tweak it and make better decisions about what you're going to do to recognise you need more than one product in order to bring some cash in. Um, you know, you're really sort of in some ways doing a puzzle, um, getting the pieces together and, and rearranging things 
So Liz, if, um, if, there were, if you had a room full of entrepreneurs in front of you and there was one thing that you, one message that you really wanted them to know that every single entrepreneur has to know about knowing their numbers, what's that one big message? Well, that big message is that knowing your numbers, knowing the story of your business is the difference between success and heartbreak, really. Um, and that heartbreak can come fast or it can come slow. But without addressing your numbers, without looking at that story of your business, talking through those numbers with someone else, unfortunately, heartbreak will be what you're looking for. It's... It's so essential to understand your numbers. And it's not hard. It's, it's easy. It's just the story of your business. It's just the only bit that's hard is doing it the first time. Well, and if you get somebody who's professional to do it, you do not need to do this yourself and you don't need to do it alone. That's super, super important. Yeah, it's far too daunting on your own, whether you actually are educated in numbers or not. Doing it with someone on a regular basis makes all the difference in the success of your business. I love that you both use the same terminology, know your numbers. <laughs> when you started talking like that, Liz, I was like, oh, she's a sister to Bonnie. <laughs> That's wonderful. Because it really is, it really is vital and it really is important. You know, somebody coming from the other side, you know, Bonnie calls out the back end. So somebody come from the front end of business, it really is important because when somebody starts a business, they don't really, you guys understand this, but they don't understand that they have, and you've talked about it, that they have to make enough money to live their life, to pay their business and to put money away. And so those three, to me, those three categories are super important that the average business person doesn't even realize or think about because we're not taught how to know our numbers and stuff. So thank you for, uh, you know, sharing that, even just that verbiage, know your numbers, because that's going to stick with people a lot. So wonderful. Well, we're almost here at a wrap. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Just keep on battling on in your, in your businesses and look at those numbers and understand your business story. It's really important. Fabulous. Thank you so much. We're just so happy you're here, Liz, the profit geek, <laughs> talking with us this week. We're very, we're very excited that you're here. So everyone out there, check her out, check us out, and have a wonderful weekend. We will see you next week. Bye.